love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Haley Chura, and I'm joined here by Alyssa Gadeski, the brand shiny new holder of the fastest known time for the 48 high peaks in the White Mountains. Fastest overall. I mean, congratulations, Alyssa. How are you feeling? Thanks, Haley. I'm I'm so excited. It really hasn't sunk in yet. I am still trying to get a proper night of sleep that my body isn't quite cooperating with. So I feel like I'm still living in a bit of a haze, but like my mind keeps reminding myself that like we did it, I did it. And it's like so excited. And then I like eat a lot of food and try and sleep and then go through this like the whole circle again over and over. I'm not being too productive otherwise yet, but I am. I'm really, really excited. Um, it was definitely like one of those, you know, efforts where things just could not have gone any better. So I'm, I'm super excited. I'm super stoked to talk about it with you and to hear about your racing. We have so many good things to celebrate on the podcast today. I know this is a good celebration podcast episode. Okay. So, you know, we, we love numbers and I know we had 48 high peaks. Um, what was the official three days, eight hours? Is that right? Three days, eight hours, 56 minutes. And the, I beat the, uh, previous overall record that was set just two weeks ago by a little over three hours. Um, and then did you tell him, did you tell him? So he was watching. So I had told him when I was going out, I don't know if he expected me to be, you know, I, I didn't say like, Hey, I think I can beat your time, you know, but I was just like, Oh, I'm going out. Here's my tracker, that sort of thing. Um, and so I'm not sure. Yeah. Like what his reaction was kind of following along at what point, if he realized I was going to do it, but he's super, super nice. Um, and had sent me a text as I was like heading up the last mountain that I saw afterwards. and was like, you've got this in the bag. You know, he's super stoked for me. He actually, um, I, he's invited me on his podcast, Haley. So I think Wait, that's going to be a okay, fun What's his name and what's his podcast? So, um, Will Peterson is his name. And I think his podcast, I'll know after I do it and I'll make sure to share it so everyone can listen. I think his podcast is like tales from the backcountry or something. He, he interviews people, I think mostly in New Hampshire who are doing a lot of hiking in the area and things like that. Really cool stuff. So I think that's, you know, it's super nice of him to invite me on. And I think that'll be a really fun conversation for yeah. us to, it was both like, we both just did it. And so we'll be able to share a lot of things, okay. things I think that went down out there. And so how many total miles did you end up covering it? So it's always a little weird. Um, you know, Garmin's are a little funky. Like I knew my Garmin was acting up at some times and was recording too few or too many miles, but if I, I use the mapping software Gaia. And so, you know, going off of that, going off of the kind of big plan I had set out, um, then it was going to be, um, 168.3 miles. So that is like, you know, by the book, um, that would have been about, and it's probably close, like give or take a handful. And then how much ascent and I mean, ascent is more, I mean, descent counts too, but, um, what is the climbing in that 168 miles? Uh, I had, again, by the mapping software, it was 67, a little over 67,000. So just of, like um, a couple climbing. trips up Everest, you know, 
Everest yeah, is like 30,000. So. so yeah, you did more than Everest twice. Um, and then how many hours of sleep? So that was the thing because Will broke the record. Uh, so I had my whole plan laid out. You know, I picked these dates, I think in January, had my crew set, like had everyone kind of blocking off that week, had the plan coming into action as I'm scouting the trails, thinking what I can do and all of that. And I was watching him go and I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, he finished like basically in the exact time or whatever I thought I could finish in, you know, with my initial plan. And it was hard because I was like, I don't know if I can uh, rely on going faster, you know, because like, it's such a, a while, like you want to be able to go faster, you know, and hope that it's possible. But realistically, I didn't want to have to bank on that too much. So I was like, well, I guess for this one, I'm cutting out some sleep. So in my previous FKTs, I kind of found that like four hour stopping window each day was like a sweet spot for me, gave me enough time to get maybe three to three and a half hours of sleep, and then do like the logistical things on either end of that stopping. Um, but I basically was like, okay, I'm throwing sleep uh, a little out the window in this one now that there's like a, the bar has been raised. So I ended up doing the first two nights. I stopped for three hours, um, which probably gave me two to two and a half hours of rest. And then the last night I stopped for two hours, which should have given me 90 minutes of rest, but my, my feet were really throbbing that night and I, I'm not sure I slept too much at all. So um, sleep was at a minimum this time, but Haley, I will say I did a major caffeine detox leading into this, um, which is very unlike me. It's not something I normally do. I am very much addicted to morning coffee, afternoon coffee, and sometimes evening coffee. (laughs) And so, uh, in the like 10 days before I just was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with it. And it was miserable. I was like, you know, let alone the stress and anxiety I was having probably made me not that much fun to be around for that couple of weeks ahead of time. But then cutting out the caffeine really did not help that. But I think that made a really big difference for me to be able to handle that sleep deprivation because I was really able to uh, feel the the help of like the Red Bull then and the um, spring energy gels with caffeine and things like that, I think actually made a mark. Whereas in other times it was like nothing was going to help me. So a lot less sleep. Um, but it actually, yeah, it went better. And I think too, the adventure racing I've been doing in the past couple of years has really helped me like wrap my head around the sleep deprivation side of things. Because when I think about the long trail or the Adirondacks, like I was, I was always a little scared of the sleep deprivation. Like what's going to happen? How's it going to feel? Like, I don't like that feeling. And that's like one of the worst parts of doing these things for me. But since I've kind of been practicing it more, I, I'm not like running away from the sleep deprivation. I like know it's going to happen. I know what it feels like. And I kind of now have my plan to go through when it's happening. And that's definitely been making a difference. I think it's, I'm, I'm maturing as I continue to do all of these silly things. So, um, but that was, it was a good boost. Like once I realized I felt like I was in control of it this time, I felt a lot more like powerful and confident going through the days after that. Okay. And so what was the lowest moment of the whole three days, eight hours, 56 minutes? Was there a low moment? Um, I had a couple low moments. I had, a um, day two and day three, both involved some long traverses where you're out there for 20 to 30 miles and you're just kind of clipping off peaks, but there's not a lot, there's no driving breaks. There's nothing in between. And it's, it's just tough. You're out there with your pacer. Um, but like, not a lot of other stuff going on and it's a grind. And so 
And both of those times, it was like a low moment, particularly on day two. Um, I was just starting to feel like I was going backwards. I was like, this isn't good. Like I wasn't focused. I felt like my stomach was off. Like everything was just kind of happening. And I was like, none of this feels good. Um, and then I was going down and I hit a, my foot on a rock as you do. And I like almost, you know, I saved myself from going down completely, but it was like scary. I was like, you know, doing that thing where you're all of a sudden going really fast and you have to catch yourself. And then your body's like cramping cause it's catching yourself. And you're like, ah, but that actually the adrenaline that went through my body at that moment, it took me from literally the worst I would have been moving this like worst mental place I had been in just, you know, overall. And then the adrenaline kicked in and I was like, Oh, that was awful. And that was scary because I thought I was going to like, you know, break my ankle, but I actually feel like myself again. And so then that was actually the moment when I realized that was the sleep deprivation coming in, but like adrenaline can make me feel normal. Like now I feel normal again. So it's like, okay, let's just start getting some caffeine in me. And like that moment when I realized that like your body could go from feeling so low to feeling normal again in like a split second, like that was like a huge turning point for me. It was just like a weird revelation while I was out there. And I was like, oh, and then I was with um, my two pacers, Lizzie and Zach at that moment. They're like, they were like, kind of like, what's going on? Like, this is almost a catastrophe. And then now you're like super excited and you're moving really good again. So I don't know what happened, but we'll keep it. Um and then just a very similar thing on day three. Again, I felt like I was moving backwards. I was like hot and uncomfortable. My stomach was weird, blah, blah, blah. And Matt was with me for that one. And luckily I just started talking to him and being like, I don't know, like maybe I need to adjust my expectations, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, what are you talking about? Like, we're still doing fine. And he like logically walked me through, even if we are an hour behind for this segment, you're still going to be 10 minutes ahead. Like kind of thing, you know, like snapping me out of the spiraling thoughts that I was having. And he had the like concrete numbers to kind of give me, he wasn't making things up. It was like, no, really you're doing just fine, you know? And so when you have that reinforcement, like right there, and it, it didn't allow me to spiral for hours and hours. So the low moments weren't too, too bad, which was really, really nice. My crew was prepared to like help me get out of them. Yeah. What about a high moment other than the finish? I know the finish had to be a high moment, but leaving that one aside, was there like any like really special high moment? So day one, um, when I was with Megan and Andy and we were on the back half of this massive 50 mile day uh, through just very remote areas that I would be in, um, we had probably like the coolest sunset I have seen in at least a really long, maybe not in my whole life, but it felt like in my whole life. And like, we were, the mountains are just really cool. You're up on this ridge line. You're getting to see this beautiful, beautiful sunset. I, you know, and I was with two friends and like, we were moving well. And, you know, I was a little nervous about that section timing wise and it was going well. And I was like, Oh, this is, and they were just like, so stoked to be out there too. And I was like, this is like, I'm so like, it makes me so happy when, my friends are also just happy to be out there and it doesn't feel like a burden for them. And they're getting to like make memories and have experiences too. And that was like one of those moments where I was like, man, we are going to remember this for like a really long time. So that was really special. Um, and same thing, I think on the presidential tra- traverse, like at the back half, we had a couple people come in to help Matt with the pacing. And so I just got to go and follow um, you know, some, some good friends, Matt, Jim and, and Dave, and they were just chit-chatting away. They were clearly having like a blast as we're 
fumbling through this like pretty hard terrain out there and um you know the sun setting it's beautiful weather and again it was just like man this is like this is why i do it because like these experiences are something like you you just can't really make happen they just it unfolds like while you're out there and we got really lucky the you know the weather and the sunsets out in the white mountains are so so special and like they just create this scene that is like nothing you can really describe so tell us about your crew like i know in your past fkts you've been able to like go where you're you're not doing a single mile by yourself was that the case this time that was definitely the case this time and uh, I, I mean, I really pushed it to the furthest extent I could. I don't think I carried at any point more than I think I, there were a couple of miles where maybe I carried two soft flasks. Um, but for the most part, it was like I had one soft flask on me at the most as what I was carrying. So the crew, we tried to double up the pacers so that they could split the you know capacity of what they had to carry because they had to carry potentially for themselves for 10 to 20 miles, like whatever food and drinks they needed. And then they would have to carry it for me too. So it was a lot of weight that they were added on. Um, but they all handled it really well. You know, you, it's never going to be perfect. Like, you know, the Pacers hundred percent of the time could not keep up. Um, and we expected that and we knew that. So we had contingencies in place and they certainly kept up like more than enough when it really mattered. And that's like, that's the key. Right. So um, so it was really fun, but yeah, we had a lot of people return from some of my past FKTs, which was really fun. Cause they kind of knew what to expect and knew the drill. We had a couple new friends, you know, local kind of coming in from the area and they popped in and were some new energy and, and kind of fun to see out there too. So a little bit of, a little bit of, you know, the core group and then definitely some new faces out there. And I think they, I think they had a good time, but it was a big, production it was 14 people so two people out there with me generally at each time and then the other 12 there would be you know some of them were moving ahead to the next place to be ready to rotate in and get that all set and then the other group was kind of recovering from the last leg that just happened and then a few others were probably at the condo um kind of the home base where food was getting made, laundry was getting done, things were getting turned around and like pushed back out to where we were on the trail. Okay. And it did seem like it was a bit of a family affair because uh, I tried following the tracker. I will admit, um, actually, I met up with Hunter Ralston from Women on Wheels at Watkins Glen and we were trying to look up the tracker afterwards and it was just, we don't know the area. We didn't quite know exactly <laughs> what what was going on, but I will say um matt your boyfriend his mom who i think is barb i think that's his mom who was instagramming quite a bit and made it like a little bit more digestible for uh, those of us who aren't super familiar with the white mountains i think she was actually like keeping a tally was she there was she just following on from home like she's she was there so she was at the condo a lot of the time and then she did a couple of the like um logistical runs and she did a she also did a 10 mile hike to get five miles into the wilderness where we were to bring water and food out there too. So she, she had to do a little bit of everything, but I was hearing the whole time that I saw Now I can see her highlight reel that she did an amazing job with the updates and keeping everyone up to date on things. I think, yeah, she really like embraced that role. And it was, I, again, like, yeah, I think for people who probably weren't quite under, you know, up to speed on everything or like able to sit and watch for hours and hours. Right. It was like, she was perfect to help get people up to speed for each little chunk of it. 
Yeah, so big thanks to Barb for, for making it so that we could follow along. And um, you mentioned food. Was there any anything that was special about food on this trip? Any any new um, cravings coming out of it? Well, Haley, I will say that in the turning point from like day two to day three, when I started to like get stronger again and move better, I don't know if this is why, but I started eating a lot of McDonald's chicken nuggets. And so, <laughs> so you know, there was no Taco Bells in the area. Otherwise, I'm sure I would have been trying Taco Bell. But, um, you know, when I had been out there scouting, I had been, there's literally like the McDonald's is always open. And so I would do a big chunk and then I would go get a number five, 10 piece chicken nugget fries and a drink. And so, um, Megan and Andy brought that out for me after one of the legs, because I knew like I had been practicing with it. Right. I was like, that always tastes delicious after a big leg. So, um, that was something that I was like, oh, this is like really sitting well in my stomach. Bring me more chicken, you know, bring me more McDonald's. And then all of a sudden it was like all of the whole McDonald's is like in front of me. And I had a McDonald's buffet to choose from for the rest of the, the hike. So that was exciting. Um, nice. But now I'm not craving it at all. So we'll keep that for the next one. <laughs> um, and that was Megan Jensen, who we had as a guest on the podcast uh, interviewing you after Adirond Adirondack. So she... Um, I know that she went on and did her own, you know, not FKT, but just she did do the Adirondacks. And um, is she now going to do the White Mountains? Maybe I need to have her back on to ask her that question. I know but... she is taking off like the New England highest hundred, I believe, is oh, the dang. list we're working on now. So that includes the Adirondacks, that includes um, the New Hampshire 48, the Vermont ones and the Maine ones. Dang. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot. Um, but she... Um, yeah, she's doing a great job and we helped get some of that list taken care of for her while, while she was oh, hiking. Oh, there. there you go. Mm -hmm. What a, what a yeah. good friend. Um, <laughs> and okay. Tell us about this finish. You know, how did that feel? How, is it comparable to your past FKTs? Was anything different? Um, you know, I think it was, I was really nervous. Like after three days, three and a half days of racing, it was really going to come down to the wire. So I was much more relaxed. I think that like it, it wasn't going to come down to a sprint finish. Like I knew as long as I moved, okay. Like I, I had this, this was, you know, it was mine to lose essentially, but it was a little chaotic for the last leg because I had the route I had for better or worse. The last mountain is like this beautiful mountain and it's really nice. And it's like a fun one to end on. It's a little easier one to end on too. Um, but it's, because it's a little easier and because it was a Saturday, it's also a very crowded mountain. So that was, and it was great weather. So we knew we would be kind of fighting the crowds on the mountains to get me through like as fast as we could, which was a little tough, but, um, that included driving up to the trailhead, you know, the roads are really skinny. There's not a lot of room. And so we're kind of like playing chicken with this one car that's trying to get out and we're, you know, and so we have a big van. So we get out and we talk to them. We say, Hey, can we, can you reverse and like get to the spot? And like, there's, there's plenty of room for two way traffic, but both cars have to be aware and kind of do it. So as they were reversing Haley, they ran their car off the edge of the road and it like tipped no. over. So like two, we only two wheels were there. Right. And so I'm just watching this. I'm sitting in the van. I'm like, oh no, like this is so bad. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm getting out here because we can't get past. And so, <laughs> so like, again, the crew like goes into action. A couple of people jump out of the van with me. They throw everything I need in their backpacks and we just take off. It added an extra half a mile run to the, to the whole thing. Um, but it was kind of nice because like then again, the adrenaline's pumping and I swear that like really got me going for the last leg of it. Um, and then people were 
just so excited. Like, you know, I mean, people were really excited. They were like, why are these people all racing up the mountain? So some people kind of were hearing what's going on and were just cheering a lot. And that was really cool to see. Um, and then we got to the top and the, there's, um, a ski bike run shop called ski the whites in the white mountain area. And it's owned by Andrew Drummond. He's kind of like a fixture of the white mountains. And he, um, he was up there to take photos. He had been following along and he's super involved in the scene. So I thought he was just kind of like at the top to see that. And then he ended up actually running down with us too, which was again, really fun because I think my crew had like officially run out of energy to be talking to anyone. And so he was able to just like be a new person for me to talk to and distract me while we ran down. And he got some really, really nice shots of the finish and the crew afterwards, which is really appreciative. Um, you know, people always have their cell phones out and stuff, but it's nice to have someone with a professional eye for photography and things going on when, when that happens. So it made it really memorable and very special. Um, and honestly, I like still hadn't even done the math to realize my final time at that point. And it's, yeah, it's still sinking in that like I was able to get stronger through the days and kind of get ahead of even what I thought was possible by as much as I did. So, um, so it was super exciting. It was, you know, my parents come for the finish and now, um, and that's always nice to see them and they know, I think how much I put into these things. And I think them getting to see them be a success is always, you know, really nice. They obviously will love me no matter what, even if it's not a success, but I think we all like to celebrate when it's a win, um, when more. So, um, and we were done at like one noon, one in the afternoon. So we were able to go back and shower and kind of properly catch up. You know, I think in the Adirondacks, I was done around like 8 PM. And so it was like later and people were just really tired. So we were able to properly kind of celebrate as a crew and, um, do a champagne toast, which was nice. And, um, yeah, just really enjoy, enjoy what we were able to accomplish. Nice. Well, congratulations. It was super fun. I do think that those photos from the, the guy, I think that's what I saw. I think my sister actually found it and then sent it to my mom who sent it to me. Cause I was like, she's coming out of the race <laughs> and it was like, yes, there are a lot of people following and it's cool to have those. I mean, have that community involvement. If any of our listeners, you know, are in the area, don't necessarily want to set an FKT or do all 48, what would you recommend as like a day hike or maybe like a overnight hike? If they want to see that sunset, like, is there a certain peak that you would recommend? I think Kerrigan is one of my favorites and there is a really cool campsite right at the summit area that I'm like, oh, if you could get a good weather window, um, camping up there and being up there for sunrise would be absolutely sick. Like you can see, I think you can see from Kerrigan, they say 46 of the 48 peaks because you're like, you're standing on one, you can see 46 and I think one is hidden. So if you get a good clear day, that is like it's a really cool and it's, it's a hard hike, but it's doable. Um, it's like 10 miles round trip. So you could do a five mile hike in camp and, and then come out. And it's, um, that one is, is definitely really cool, but, um, but yeah, let me know if you are in the white mountains. I'm always happy to give some recommendations and <laughs> tell you where to go hike now, I guess. You can add a tour guide or mountain guide yeah. to, um, <laughs> or at least like, yeah, like, uh, to your resume. Well, congratulations. I hope that you do finally get some sleep here in the next couple of days and, um, all the nutrition that isn't McDonald's chicken nuggets. And, um, <laughs> and I'm not going to ask you what's next. Cause I think you got to like revel in this and let it sink in, but I know you're not done yet. So we'll give you a little bit of time before we start asking what's next. 
Thanks, Haley. Thanks, Haley. And I'm seeing you back in Bozeman, but I know you also had a pretty busy and exciting week of traveling, racing. You got yourself back home. You um, were second at Clash, sorry, Clash Watkins Glen. And we talked about it a little bit last week with kind of the logistics of the course and things like that. You had a wine tasting event a couple days before. Um, I'm super excited to hear uh, all about, did you, did you like the area of Watkins Glen? This was your first time to the area. So let's start there. Like how was kind of getting yourself there, the pre-race, the pre-race wine tasting? Yeah. So it was, it's my first time in the like Finger Lakes region of New York. And so I, I flew into Buffalo, which was a little bit unconventional. I think like Syracuse or Rochester would probably be closer, but I was trying to save money as one does. And it was a little cheaper to fly into Buffalo. And I, um, I was a little late getting to Buffalo and I will say I, I walked from the airport to like an airport hotel at like two 30 in the morning. And, um, if you walk in with like all this luggage at like three in the morning to a hotel, they have a lot of questions, <laughs> but they're like, you walked here. But again, it was like half a mile. It wasn't far. And I just didn't think the shuttle would be running. Cause I got in kind of late. And so I was like, there's like, there's a shuttle. And I was like, Oh, and also some, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but like sometimes shuttles get a little, they're like, yeah, what is all the, your bike and that kind of thing. And this is like, not the first time I've done worse. Like I've walked like a mile from like a train station in the Netherlands and in like a hundred degree heat. So this was not that bad, but, um, but yeah, so I, I mean, there are times when I definitely wanted to fire my travel agent, which is myself, but I made it. <laughs> um, and then drove the drive from Buffalo to Watkins Glen isn't bad the next morning. And then, um, but I did make a pit stop at Niagara Falls, which is like on my bucket list just to like see cool things. Cause I do like to make like racecations out of some of these more exotic races and, it was worth it. It was really cool. Have you been? Niagara Falls is cool. Yeah. I have been. Yeah. I did it like one time when I was little, my parents took us on the Maid of the oh, Mist, I think. If I had called, time, I would have like, done that. Up. Yeah. Like where you go on the boat and you're like, everyone who coming up that elevator there was so soaked. I was like, I don't think I have time to be oh, that yeah. wet. <laughs> we have pictures of me in like the rain jacket that they gave you and I had chicken pox. Oh, or I, oh good I job I being out, out like, in yeah, the yeah, <laughs> like on there in like close quarters with... oh yeah it was not a good idea like but it was pre-pandemic life you know 1990 and i don't think we were really thinking <laughs> you're infecting a whole but, um, every adult comes off there with like shingles but anyway okay beside the point of you being an infectious but, um, uh, pathogen and but um also for i used in my previous life i worked for mnt bank which is in buffalo and so we would like um, they would take us to Niagara Falls when we had like work things. It was cool. <laughs> but it is cool. Yeah. And they have like, um, what do they have there? Casino. They have a lot to do there. I don't know if you like to do stuff. I didn't do much. I like went in, okay. um, I was thankful that I was like fit and healthy enough to, cause there's quite a bit of walking around there. So I walked and saw all the, I didn't realize there were like three different waterfalls. And so I saw all of them and then, um, took a lot of selfies and I didn't, I didn't quite have time. I needed to get to Watkins Glen. I was like, okay, I'm here for the race. <laughs> so I didn't do made of the mist. I didn't do, um, all the fun things, but if I go back, I would definitely do it. But I thought it was really cool. And then I drove to Watkins Glen and, Another place that I thought was incredibly cool that I like hadn't seen before, but it's right at Seneca Lake, gorgeous venue, extremely hilly around there. Um, and then, you know, just the whole racetrack culture, you know, speedway car racing culture and then wine tasting, like a lot of vineyards and like, um, 
Is it called a winery? Is that is that a real word? Yeah, Did I just make that up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I'm it like, is. That's what it's um, I'm like, it's a brewery <laughs> slash wine, but um, it's just neat. And I think Amy Van Tassel, who was another pro who raced afterwards, she was talking about how sometimes she like loves like culture clashes, and that's definitely what this felt like. You have triathletes on our speedway, and like I think you know the race started at nine a.m. and there were cars on the course. Like when I talked to Hunter afterwards, she was talking about how they got there earlier and they actually got to watch some car racing. I think it stopped at 11 a.m. when they were expecting the first pro men to get onto the course because we swam at Seneca Lake, we rode 50 miles on just surrounding regular roads and then the run was on the speedway. And so the surrounding regular roads though were very hilly, like very, very hilly. And um, there was one climb that was like a 15% grade and I was behind... Kristen Marchant, who also had the fastest transition. There was a preem for transit for T1. And I, I tried, I tried to pull a Brent McMahon and take my swim skin off before the timing mat. And that it, it did nothing. Kristen was way faster, but, um, kudos to her for going for that and making a little money. I tried, but I should have just not tried. But anyway, um, but she was ahead of me on the bike and she was like paper boying or like, you know, mail, but like where you go like back and forth, like, oh like, Yeah. Male, male yeah. manning or something, male yeah, personing. paper personing, um, just like definitely like like weaving back and forth, like getting up this hill, and I could see her head, and I was like, oh gosh, but it was fun. I mean, it was just fun. It was very hard, and then um, running on the speedway again. This is what Amy was talking about the culture clash because they had the all these RVs and people there to watch the cars. And they're cheering for us. And it's definitely like, and then there's a wine festival going on 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 the infield as well. And so it's just like these different groups. Like I would never necessarily be around a speedway or racetrack. I don't know anything about car racing. I learned a lot (laughs) just in this trip. I actually don't know much about wine either. And I learned a lot. (laughs) So you kind of have like the culture of triathlon mixing with the culture of car racing, mixing with wine tasting culture and all of us like learning about each other. And that was really neat. And I loved running on the speedway. It was so cool. Like I will admit the first mile was like very uphill and I was just like, Oh my gosh, am I going to be able to make it? But then I got into like a groove and the like pavement like is so perfect. And this speedway did, it did, it had like two significant hills per lap um, but you had pretty good dis- downhills too. And then some false flats. And then it was kind of nice that it was for me, at least that it was like breezy because we ran into the headwind at one section and it felt so good. Cause I get hot very easily. <laughs> and so that's the point I'm like the one person who's like, yes, headwind, but, um, it was just cool. And then again, like all these people camped out in RVs on the infield are like yelling for us and like cheering for us when we go by certain sections. And that was cool. And three loops and 10 miles was like just about perfect. Like, I think that was a very nice amount of rate running. And, um, and then I, I did finish second. Sophie Watts was in a different league. <laughs> she came by me on the bike and just so fast. And it's good to see her on a comeback. I think she just had surgery from a hip labral tear and a stress fracture. So she is back in full force. Um, I mean, it was, it was a fun, fun time. And then afterwards at the finish line, um, just being, they gave us like, instead of having like an athlete, um, food tent, they gave us like a voucher to go into the wine fest and yeah. And you had like $15 for food oh, nice. too. Like you got free admission to the wine tasting, but then it was also like, they had a bunch of food trucks. And so you had $15 toward food. So I got like a pizza and, 
Um, yeah, and so, which was like very nice to have that right there and um, just a lot more options than your traditional triathlon. So I would highly recommend this race. I mean, it was definitely different. It was not easy. Like I was looking at my split, the bike course was quote unquote only 50 miles, but it had a lot of climbing. And so I was looking at my time on that. I was like, oh my gosh, I have done 70.3s faster than this, like 56 miles. I definitely was not missing the other six miles, but, um, it was just a fun, fun venue, like really fun venue. And afterwards, um, you know, I think some of us went to Seneca lodge afterwards, which is a big car racing bar. Um, and like they, we met the owner, um, in the previous days and he kind of, they have like laurels from past car race winners. And like, I think they did something shooting arrows on into the walls. Anyway, the walls are like covered with like car racing memorabilia and it was just a cool spot to celebrate. Cause that's where so many, um, car races have like been celebrated. And so it was just cool that we were celebrating our race and, um, it was just a neat, neat venue, perfect weather and a fun part of the country to see. Cause in the days before I did get to do some of the sightseeing and just seeing, um, the gorge there, uh, Watkins Glen State Park, which is like right in town and all the waterfalls and, um, got to hang out with some of the other pros, Leslie Smith, uh, that real tri squad, um, crew, they were there in full force. And, um, some of our past iron women podcast guests, Jenny Hansen, Liz Bauer, Sarah Bishop. Sarah Bishop. I know. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely like a fun time just getting to like catch up the Wassners back and, Laurel, um, we're both there. And so that was, we just had Beck on the show last week. And so it was definitely like a very, a cool reunion in that way. And it just kind of had that, that feeling of adventure at a race. And I really, really enjoyed that. That's awesome. It sounds like it's a good venue for like family friendly events too. And like things to do. There's plenty to keep kids occupied, adults occupied, all of that good stuff. And yeah, I think that would definitely be, it's a place I like to, like I said, I had gone there on vacation, so I would definitely love to go do a race there. And, but I'm super excited I, that the course suited you so well and you got second and it's always, it was fun. That was one of the first things I was checking actually with Barb as we were driving to the condo after we were like, how did Haley do? How did Haley do? So um, really excited to see that you had a good day and you feel good about it. And yeah, everything went smooth. Your travel went smooth. You're back home and ready to keep keep going. Yes. I did pull the, like pack my bike. Cause again, I wanted to go to the after party. And so I was like, okay, I have to pack my bike in the drive or in the parking lot. So then I can go to the after party, like reward myself with that. Because then I had to drive, I drove back to Buffalo and spent the night there and flew out on a 5 30 AM flight again, way to go travel agent. But, um, I, uh, you know, so I did, I just packed it right there and you know, it's, it's, it's what you do. It's that it glamorous professional triathlete life. But, um, I was thinking parking lot, it's I... actually a great place to do it. You just have to be so careful with all the bolts and everything that like everything gets in the right, you know, drop something and everything gets in the bag and it's like organized, but otherwise it's like nice to have the space, you know, and you're not like worried about getting grease on the, I don't know, hotel linen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I'm a fan of this race car you know, format. And I did, I heard a rumor that maybe next year part of the bike might be on the racetrack as well. Whoa, so we'll see cool. if that, I okay. mean, that'd be fun. Cause again, it's a hilly racetrack, but it's like, 
perfect pavement. And so I think it could be really fun. Um, but I, it does make me want to try, you know, Daytona or Miami and just like, cause it's something special about just running in a, in a, you know, environment like that. And you could just like get into a really good like groove because it's not like you're running up curbs or worrying about gravel or anything like that. It was just a different, it's a different experience, you know, like sometimes you want to be running up a mountain and sometimes you want to just like, hammer and go for it. So definitely highly recommend it to folks. I would say if I could do something different, booking it a little earlier, making sure you could, there's a lot of like motels, hotels, like kind of mom and pop type of places in that Watkins Glen area. So I would definitely recommend staying in Watkins Glen if you can. Um, I stayed a little bit further out of town and it was just like, no, I want to stay near Watkins Glen. I mean, there are other hotels like further out of town, but I think it'd be more fun to stay in town. There's lots of restaurants. It's very touristy. So it's like set up for, for visitors. But like you said, good family-friendly thing. I'm, I'm really thankful I got to see that part of the country. And I understand why you do so many training camps around there too. Because, man, it'd get you strong. Those hills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not flat. Um, all right, Haley. Well, we do have a couple other housekeeping items we want to make sure. But we were not the only people racing. Our producer, Ella from feisty media was also racing and so just a quick shout out to ella this weekend she raced the canadian draft legal nationals and did really well right yeah no i think um she said there were 70 women Alyssa, starting that race and i just i mean that is a huge field and all i saw a couple of photos and it's like since they're all canadians they're all wearing the exact same kit I know, it's like- <laughs> I'm like, what? It is a little funny. It's like, whoa, like all these fit women just wearing the same thing, sprinting into the water. I was like, whoa, that's not a sight you see all the time. I know, but that's why the Canadians are, I mean, that's why they they know how to do that draft legal racing. So congrats to Ella and for being a part of that. And uh, we have a special little sponsor mention, right? Because there's a special we deal do. going on with Inside Tracker. Yes. So Inside Tracker, once again, um, great time to be kind of doing a little health check-in for yourself, checking your levels of everything in your blood, making sure things are good as obviously the racing and FKTing is in full swing this season. So it's good to be on top of that and not let yourself get to a point where you're feeling poorly before you're like, oh, I should check on things. So definitely a good time to be checking in. Inside Tracker is helping you make that happen because they are running a special, but it's only if you're listening to this today, it's Thursday, that day that it comes out, our podcast comes out today, Thursday. You have to do the sign up today or tomorrow before Friday. So if you're listening after that, you guys got to start listening on the day the podcast drops so you can take advantage of these special deals with Inside Tracker. So insidetracker.com slash feisty, and it will get you a 31% off deal, which is up from 20%, which is our normal deal with Inside Tracker, but um, 31% off, which is huge. So make sure you take advantage of that right now. Pause us, go do that, sign up, get that, you know, kind of slip going so you can get everything checked and stay healthy this racing season. Yeah, great deal. 31%. Kind of a fun number. Um, and then the other housekeeping item is that we are actually taking a summer break. So we are going to be off for two weeks while Alyssa hopefully gets some sleep and maybe catches up on uh everything and I catch up on everything. And um, and so we're taking two weeks off, uh, but there will still be episodes airing. We're actually airing a couple episodes from the Title IX podcast. So that will be on this feed. So there will be there will be shows, you just won't have us bantering ahead of time and talking about things. Um, but we will be back. August 4th, um, we'll have a brand new show, brand new interview, and us talking about what we did for two weeks. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. 
Ironwind is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.